Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Hello, good morning and welcome to another edition of The Plotting Shed. You are listening to Rachel McCartane. I hope the world is wonderful wherever you are, whichever part of the world you are listening to this. Uh, Good morning or good afternoon and a very warm welcome. Well, today's topic is a bit of a two-week podcast about garden design styles and I've titled it What on Earth is a Contemporary Garden Anyway? Because I wanted to discuss with you the pitfalls that a lot of people non-gardeners, non-experts kind of fall into when they're trying to choose a style for their garden. So this week is looking at contemporary gardens, that sort of modern style, how it works. Next week we're talking about the more romantic cottage unstructured gardens and the pros and cons and the do's and the don'ts of, of those. Design styles are one of those things aren't they let's face it that Whenever you think, right, I want to change the garden and you go and possibly buy a book or you look on the internet or you watch the programmes, you are regaled with all these images of gardens. If you put in modern garden style or contemporary, you get this whole panoply of imagery of gardens that have been all expertly created and, and look, on the face of it, really amazing and wonderful. But are they? I wanted to go through and just try and reorder in your head what design styles are, because we all have heard of these things. Uh, We've heard of people talk about contemporary and modern and cottage, and we have Mediterranean and all this kind of stuff. Now, for me, there are three main garden styles. There's structured, there's unstructured, and there are themed gardens. So structured gardens, those that would fall under this category, you might hear words like contemporary, or they're symmetrical, they're formal, they're geometric, they're modern gardens. But the common theme in all of them is that they are built, they have very clearly defined zones and areas for different types of things and they might involve more hard landscaping. Those unstructured gardens tend to be obviously less formal but you would think you might use phrases like wildlife garden, natural cottage style, romantic planting, that sort of imagery and we'll deal with that one next week. And then I have what I class as the themed gardens. These are specific gardens for specific purposes. 
people like tropical looking, they want a jungle feel, they would like a Mediterranean garden, they would like a Japanese garden. Themed gardens are generally owned by dedicated gardeners and so they're not really the, the types of gardens that the average and ordinary person who just wants a nice garden and but isn't a particularly expert garden would have so I'm not really going to deal with so this week it's contemporary modern structured formal symmetrical gardens once again I spent a long time on Pinterest and Google looking through lots and lots of images and I'm trying to find a common theme that we could explain what these gardens were and how you could create them. And a common theme amongst all of them was that they seemed to have a lot of building works in them. There were a lot of whitewashed walls and clean lines. You had very clearly defined areas. There's the planting area constrained within maybe a raised brick or, or whitewashed border. You have very clean and modern fencing. The overriding common theme on all of these gardens was one thing. They were all neat and tidy. Now, I know if you're going to take a picture for a magazine and a photo shoot and everything else, you're not going to have bits and bobs lying around. The whole element of these garden images screamed order. The gardens were made to behave. Everything was in its proper place. It was growing in a preordained way. There was a place for seating, there was a place for plants, there was a place for something else. There wasn't an interaction between those areas. You are sitting here in your seating place, you are not going to be encompassed by plants because they have their own little zone here. It is a garden whereby the owners have created a space to look garden-like but it is very much operates within the bounds of human occupation. It's not a natural place. It's set up like a room outside. And it got me thinking. When I'm asked to design gardens and people sort of talk to me obviously about what their ideas are and their dreams and their aspirations for their garden, low maintenance comes up as one of the always one of the most obvious and, and, and common phrases. But the word modern and contemporary comes up quite often as well. And I began to wonder, is this because the imagery of all these gardens that you see, showing everything in its proper place, everything being well-ordered and well-behaved, that the inference is that this is what people regard as a low-maintenance garden, because it's neat and tidy they feel that somehow that style of garden is going to be easier to look after than another style. And that's where there is a disconnect. And that's what I wanted to try and convey to you today is that 
that's not the case because the problem with garden design is that if you fixate an image of a design style in your head then you will create the garden to that design style but it might not be suitable for your garden your environment what you have in your garden and it might not be suitable for you so i don't want to confuse or people to merge low maintenance with modern because it's not the case and i'll give you this very simple point that highlights that in a lot of these garden images you see lots of topiary you see lots of box balls in different sizes or, or plants are clipped to a certain shape now plants are beautiful but they're not that smart they don't know that they've got to stay that shape and when you create an artificial shape for a plant and it does its growing thing it's going to lose that shape all the time that automatically creates work for you to maintain the shape because if you don't maintain the shape and maintain the whole balance and form and everything else that you're trying to create in your nice modern contemporary garden it will look a mess it's it's much more lower maintenance to allow a plant to grow in its natural shape because if it grows six inches in its natural shape it won't look out of shape it'll just look six inches bigger but a topiary ball that grows six inches will. Let's just define my idea of modern, contemporary, formal, structured garden so that you can understand where I'm coming from. And then we'll discuss what you should be doing. Any modern garden tends to be more geometric. It tends to work with the house structure much more it will not use plants to fill a space it will use plants to highlight the zones and the areas created their gardens very much where less is more you want to keep it is more about the shapes of the structures rather than the planting it and it's those structures that form the visually dominant parts of the garden that's what you see the most so if plants overgrow the structures you lose the shape of the garden it's more important to keep the garden in check so that you keep the lines and the flows of the structures a simple example of that is where you see paving stones set into grass and they form a nice, maybe curved pathway down a lawn. Now, they only look good if those stepping stones or paving slabs are kept really, the shape of them is kept crisp, which means you have to, each week, cut the grass back around the shape of the stone, because if it loses that shape, you lose the line of the path, which is what the design is trying to highlight. So again, these modern contemporary gardens where you've got sharp lines and visible structures, you are creating work to maintain those visible structures. Whitewashed walls, for example. Now they're great in hot countries, but in the good old British climate, 
If the wall is not in full sun all day long, it will gradually go green because you'll get green wet algae on it. So you have to clean it. So for me, a modern garden is very much one where the, the structures are the dominant garden features. The plants are there as accents. The second thing about modern contemporary gardens is they tend to be very set on the main axis and line of the garden. Now, they don't all have to be straight lines, but what it does is it very much follows the line of the garden and it creates paths that define the areas. You will walk through this part of the garden to get to this part of the garden down a clearly defined route. Now, the formal side of that will give you a lot of symmetry that you might have the path sent, centered down the garden and you'll create zones and areas. You can have asymmetric gardens or contemporary gardens where they might play with that line a little bit, that they will offset it to give a, an impression of more space and to work with the shape of your garden. But it's still the pathways, the lines that are created and the zones that are created that is the design of the garden. It's not the planting. So how do you get it right? If you had your garden and you sit there thinking, actually, yeah, I would like to have structure in the garden. I want to have a seating area zone. I want to have a planting zone. I want to have an area for a particular feature or a pergola or something like that. How do you go about doing it? without creating a garden that is, should we say, overly landscaped. It's overly built on. It's, it's just had structures added to it without a thought process. And it's all really about understanding your needs. If I go to design somebody's garden or when somebody rings me up to talk to me, I'll spend a lot of time chatting to them about how they would love to use the garden, what they would enjoy doing, what don't they enjoy doing, what parts of the garden are the nicest bits, where do they love sitting, where, what annoys them, what do they, what do they like doing, what would they like to do. And all of this begins to form a, a plan, a brief, because it tells me how and what the person is going to be like. And because it's a very natural chat about themselves, not about plants, you can get an awful lot of information about what the person's character is like and how they will actually use the garden. So this is what you need to do yourself, is have that chat with yourself about how you want to use a garden so that you can write your brief down because you might sit there thinking, okay, I want to have this garden, so I need a seating area, I want raised borders, I want to have nice clean pathways, I want it to be all neat and tidy and nothing out of place. That's fine. But now you need to delve a bit deeper. So write down what you want and then have a discussion with yourself about why you want that. How will you use that element? And most importantly, what benefit to you and your family will that part of the garden bring? 
Because the crux is this, if you can only think of one reason in that it looks nice, that's not enough. That's not enough of a reason for you to spend time and money and effort creating something in the garden. It's the same thing as if you were in the sitting room and you wanted to go and buy a new sofa. You'll go and, and search out and, and go to department stores and various places and, and look at sofas. But you'll never just walk in and go, oh, I like that sofa, I'll buy it. It has to deliver more, doesn't it? It has to be comfortable. It has to have the right colour to, to match the sitting room. It has to feel, if you want a squishy soft sofa that you can curl up with a good book or a glass of wine, great. But if it doesn't deliver that, you're not going to buy it. But unfortunately, people don't use the same thought process to their own garden design. You get caught up in this idea of, oh, I'll have a water feature over there. That's a nice place. It'll look pretty. But it's not enough. Why will putting that water feature over there, what benefit will that water feature bring me over there? And you can then analyse what problem will putting the water feature over there bring me. It gives you a better decision-making process if you sit down and think about why you want something. And then you do a little cost-benefit analysis of that on yourself. I want this because, and you can justify it to yourself. Then you will find that actually when you go to look at creating a design for the garden, you understand how you're going to use it. You know why you're going to use it. You know what benefit having certain elements of the garden will bring you, and that will help you create a design. And it doesn't matter that you can put a label on it to say, oh, it's modern, it's contemporary, it's symmetrical, it's geometric, it's formal, what have you. It doesn't matter because the design fits the purpose that you need it to have. You know, and if that design leads you to something that's very chic and sleek and neat and tidy, but that is what you want to create. You know what you're creating. You understand the downside and the pros and cons of it. So you know that you will have to do work to keep it looking neat and tidy. But if you know the work that will be involved, you're happy to do that and you, you have enough time to do that, then the garden design will deliver what you, what you need. But if you don't consider it, if you get caught up in the imagery of styles and designs, you will find that the garden that you build that you create, that you spend an awful lot of money on, doesn't deliver what you need it to. Good design is not about creating something that looks impressive. Good design is all about creating something that delivers what you need it to do. I hope that unravels a little bit 
or just flips on your flips around the thought process that you might have about what garden design should be because you need to be the person that controls the design not have the design imposed upon you and that way you'll get a better and more enjoyable garden now next week we're going to talk about unstructured gardens so i hope you'll listen in next week in the meantime stay well stay happy enjoy your garden enjoy the lovely spring sunshine and i will speak to you soon bye for now well thank you for listening you have been listening to rachel mccartain of the plotting shed if you've got any questions about this podcast please email me rachel at plantplots.com or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice along with planting plans that you can download you can look at the designs that we've created so do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode you can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com there's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee so all donations will be hugely appreciated thank you very much enjoy your week enjoy your garden take care and stay well